Bourne, November 15th, 2021. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 698. Really, it's the chips that are extra. Hey, it's Overthinking It. Man, that number gets higher every episode. <laughs> <laughs> 698 it you could almost say that it monotonically increases from one uh 698 it's the overthinking of podcast where we subject popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve 698 times the overthinkers are your smart funny friends from the internet i mean you know this you've heard it 698 times so you know me i'm matt rather that's peter fenzel hey pete how are you doing you know matt i'm doing okay how are you doing i'm i'm doing okay as well you know okay so a little let's let's uh let's go behind the curtain a little bit let's go behind the scenes bts uh as the kids say um and and say that uh we are pre-recording this episode and so it is recorded on the night that we on the day where the night before we switched the clocks back wow was there a more convoluted way i possibly <laughs> could have said it's also the day after we switched the clocks back. it's the day after we switched yes. the clocks back or switched the you know, well i mean we we i guess we switched the the clocks back in that we set them to an earlier time a time you know anterior in time or back from yes. you know yes. um and also we switched them back in that you you know, this is the norm. This is the standard oh. time. And uh, a deviation from the standard time counts as like switching away from something and then switching back to the standard um, goes, uh, you know, counts as, as switching back. And uh, the way I mark it every year, Pete, is that I do uh, I I have a tweet. I have pretty much one tweet. Every I, My Twitter and rather is no, there's nothing there, really. I probably should just delete it all in case I get a high profile job one day. But the um, <laughs> the I, I tweet one thing every year. Uh, I tweet it uh, when daylight saving time begins. And uh, and it's a single tweet. It says um, a single sentence tweet that says uh, people who quote meeting times in PST during daylight saving time are history's greatest monsters. <laughs> and uh, you, you just that that like that you, you just want to like, well, actually, and you you know, it's it's all I can all I can do not to uh, not to just really lord it over lord their their ignorance over them especially since it it comes it, it sometimes comes with this like i don't know air this this sort of air of superiority and uh as as uh, many of my friends know uh, from dealing with me knocking someone down who has an air of superiority is one of life's greatest pleasures but it's darker that's what that's what i uh that's what i wanted to say it's darker earlier we're recording this now and it's uh it's fully dark outside the sun has the sun has set and that is really not the case except during these these winter months during standard time and and we're headed into the holidays and it's a time you know i don't know it's a time for reflection maybe if you have happy memories of of holidays you know for nostalgia it's a time 
when, you know, one's thoughts turn inward and one's thoughts turn to, I don't know, the passage of time and the, the sort of the death of the year bring is a memento mori, I suppose, not to, not to get too morbid, but like it, 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 it makes us, um, it makes us introspective and it makes us nostalgic sometimes. And, and I don't know. I, I find that anyway. Pete, have you been like nostalgic about anything recently? Yeah. You know, I've been, I've been really nostalgic about a specific thing and I oh. wonder if you might podcast with me about it. Let's, uh, let's do it. Uh, All right. I think so, my life so, does have a purpose, Pete. It's this pod. Oh, no, sorry. So if you reach way back, what, what's the what's the best thing we ever talked about on the podcast ever? Oh, that's interesting. Um, could it be the uh, could it be the improvised Greek tragedy about the steel girders in uh, in one of the Zack Snyder Superman movies? You know, that's pretty close. But no, I think the best podcast. Actually, do you want to make another guess? Yeah, could it be the uh, could it be the podcast that we did where uh, we reenacted Edge of Tomorrow, um, but in in podcast form? Uh, you know what? That would also be pretty great. But yeah. actually, if you look even farther back into right. our golden past. Oh, oh Pete, talk- was it the first? Was it the very first episode where Matt Belinky and I hashed out the plot details in excruciating, obsessional detail of the 2008 uh, live action short films that were Oscar nominated that year? Not, not, not quite. Not oh, got quite. It. A little okay. bit after that. A little bit after that. So it, it was it was the halcyon days when the world hadn't changed in ways we never would have expected, uh. which is if you go all the way back, but not all the way back and then forward a little bit to that podcast. You all remember, of course, when we talked about the animated movie based on the video game adaptation of the Italian poem uh, Dante's Inferno. Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> if you might recall, we talked about a lovely I believe it was a Mexican restaurant in uh, I think it was North Dakota. Oh, <laughs> which right. Called Paradiso. <laughs> and uh, and, and, it, and it had a. Uh, it had a, it had a slogan, Matt. Do you remember that slogan? If if only the slogan were still true. I quote, but- I wish I wish memory served in this case, but I I remember what you're talking about now. God, we've done so much crap on this show. <laughs> but this this is what I want to talk about today because it's a slogan that given current events should really make you think about our culture and about where we are as a people. Mm. And the slogan is chips are free. Dinner's extra. Dinner extra. <laughs> Chips are free. Dinner extra. I remember it very well now. I remember, you know, because I do kind of announcer voice. I'm, I, I'm against announcer voice generally in, in podcasting. I feel like the, 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 uh, the medium is too intimate for that. Mm-hmm. It's like you're having a, you know, a, a conversation. You know, people wear headphones and like, so you're talking directly into somebody's ear. And I feel if you get all Sunday, Sunday, like if you get all monster truck rally about it, it it's, it maybe blows, it blows out people's eardrums a little bit but i do i will say i do these you know nigh on these 698 times i do a little bit of announcer voice at the at the very at the very beginning for blah 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 blah, blah. it's the overthinking it podcast you know and and lay it on not not thick but like a like a uh nice coating of cheese dip over a uh over a nacho <laughs> and um i remember saying that that line you know like every 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 episode title has passed my lips at some point you know when i've said it <laughs> On the thing, and I remember that chips are free, dinner extra, and you know the 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 inflection and also the the kind of calibrating the pauses and and things like this. I also try to do it with good diction, so like it's uh you know I twenty seventh you know it's like a difficult <laughs> a lot of consonants in that word you know right. anyway sorry Pete I I digress chips are free dinner. Uh, is extra. Yes. And uh, we did that podcast exactly, exactly as you say. 
Yes. And the mine wanders the mine. Oh, by the way, the uh, the Paradiso restaurant in Fargo, North Dakota has yes. sadly uh, it has redesigned its website in the past 12 years. Oh, no. And as such, it is no longer an animated gif of a little little girl shaking maracas. It's now just like, you know, a picture of the restaurant and the food they sell, uh-huh. which makes a lot of sense. But at any rate, uh, the mind wanders and it wanders to the current experience of nostalgic things. So I'm glad they made it the, through. I'm glad they made it through this championship season. You know, I, 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 I mean, like, seriously, I would like to I would like to order takeout from the Paradiso <laughs> restaurant in Fargo, Fargo, North Dakota. I'm it will sorry. be delivered by Beatrice, right? Yeah, will, Beatrice. Uh, will... Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Beatrice is on her way in your or- <laughs> with your order in a yes. silver Toyota Corolla. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so okay. So, so cut to last week where I am in a deli. Right. I've just picked up my car from the mechanic where it had some serious transmission problems, which scared me. But then, you know, my fears were assuaged when it turned out to work okay and not need to be completely replaced. And I decided that I would treat myself now that I was mobile again with my car. I would I would drive to a place where I could buy lunch. So I drove to this deli to buy lunch. And one of the things I noticed. So the deli, I want you to envision it, right? A long counter. One of those counters where you walk all the way into the deli around the racks of snack foods, past the pre-made soups that are in the uh, stand-up fridges, past all of the beverages, you know, the the Diet Coke and the four different kinds of iced tea that they sell, uh, and, and all the way around, right? And there are little dots on the ground now where you have to stand to be socially distanced, right? So Presumably you're masked up and and uh, hopefully you're vaccinated and you got to stand on your little dot. Right. And I, and I noticed as I came all the way around, you order in the back and then you move towards the, for- the front to, to pay. Mm. And when we had recorded episode thirty nine, chips are free dinner extra. A normal thing to have be the case in that time would have been for the chips to be by the register. Right. Especially at a sandwich shop where you would often get sandwich and chips. Right. And you would expect that uh, the chips would be considered to be something that's assumed that you might want to buy when you have a sandwich. But mm-hmm. in this place, the chips were all the way in the back. You pass them on the way to the sandwich. Now, maybe they put them there because they expected you while you're waiting to pick some chips, perhaps. But I can't help but think that the big rack of black and white cookies by the register reflected a, a sea change in a variety of different geographical and cultural uh, relationships with with sort of side dishes, snack foods, uh, pastries and such over the years. And while I stood there waiting for my to order my sandwich, this man came in in a, in a hooded sweatshirt on a phone and he was clearly being directed by someone specific who was not there to get a specific bag of chips. Black mirror, was, black mirror style. He's got, a, <laughs> you know. He's got like the voice of God in his ear telling him two steps forward, reach <laughs> exactly. out your left hand and take the ch- take the Doritos. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> so, yes. So was it was, was it in fact Doritos? I think it was actually just straight up nacho cheese Doritos, mm-hmm. but the Doritos were in such a location as to be nearly impossible for this person to find, buried all the way back. Now, front and center were the dirty potato chips, which I think are you know somewhat delicious. Um, I know a lot of people are big fans of the Doritos, but they weren't really as accessible. And so I watched this guy kind of weave in and out because, of course, he doesn't want to be standing near the people on their social distancing circles, right? Because in addition to uh, you know Doritos having diminished somewhat in status over the internet intervening years, there's also a plague going on, right? And so he's like, in much the way that it might be the case uh, back in back when Dante was 
was writing the original Chips Are Free Dinner's Extra podcast script right. that was uh, made into the mo- animated movie, video game animated movie podcast. That's how it goes. Anyway, he eventually gets the bag. They, of chips say, they say history repeats itself. First is video game. Second is animated <laughs> movie. Third is podcast. Exactly, exactly. And then finally, as discussions about the food that's mentioned in the podcast. So he grabs his bag of chips and he looks at me as if to say, I have found my bag of chips. <laughs> as in like, I have done the thing that that you were wondering whether I would do or not, right? I have accomplished this. I have found the bag of chips. And, and he didn't even gesture ironically towards the phone in that, can you believe that this person asked me to go find these chips? But it was more like, no, you understand. Like you can tell from the fact that I have this phone and I'm standing by these chips that there's someone on the line who wants a specific kind of chip because it's their chip and I'm here to get it for them. And just because the world has placed the chip farther from my grasp does not mean it shall exceed my reach, right? Mm, mm -hmm. I I shall follow the chip, right? I shall go in and follow the chip and I shall grab it and retrieve it. I shall purchase it from the front register, even though now the line is kind of complicated. What, where in line is he supposed to be? Uh, Everything gets a little bit confusing once everybody starts, the sandwiches get made at different speeds and so on and so forth, but presumably pays for his chips, leaves. Mm. And it made me think about chips. Um, The other thing that made me think about chips was I got Mexican food and uh, came with a bunch of chips. And my little kid loves chips. You know what he calls them, Matt? What does he call the chips? Chips. <laughs> chips. And he holds one in each hand and he's like, I have two things. <laughs> I have a chip and a chip and it's great. And uh, when, when his mom has to be, you know, indisposed and leaves him with me for the day, in this case to visit family and to help them out with something. Uh, and I get the kiddo all day. I will often get Mexican food with him because he loves the chips. Right. And he loves the quesadillas. And he just I think just the idea of being able to hold on to this big person food and eat something crunchy when so much baby food has no crunch to it. uh, He just gets a real charge out of it. And so also had some some mutual friends over. I won't name them by names, but some people you and I both know came over and we had a nice Mexican feast. And it occurred to me, you know, that, yes, I joke that chips are free and dinner extra is no longer really true. But it is at Mexican restaurants, but it isn't in the world, is it, Matt? No, I mean chips are chips are not free. In fact, I I ate uh, uh, tacos and some uh, t- uh, chips and queso for uh, for lunch today, and I thought my um, I you know I thought my my portion of chips. No, it was a takeout portion, you know. So it was pre. It wasn't like a basket, you know, that was filled at the table and just kept. You know, the the chips keep coming. It was a finite quantity. There's you know there's finite chips and theoretically infinite chips as you know as when you sit there and and just eat them compulsively. Um, but the, this was finite chips, and I thought they they were uh, there were not enough. There's, there certainly were not enough to actually scoop up all the, like, the nacho cheese dip, like all the, the, uh, queso from this particular spot. And it was, um, really disappointing. What we ended up doing was, uh, making a, making a, like, concrete, you know? Um, uh, yeah. Well, what we did was we took, we used the, the cheese like, uh, like cement. And then, uh, the very remainder of the chips, you know, the kind of the crushed up little bits that are even too small to hold in your, in, in your hands, in your fingers. We use that as like the aggregate, as like the, you know, rock aggregate that you dump into the cement and to, to mix it up and make concrete. And we, uh, we did that with the, the queso and ended up, uh, spooning, spooning out this, uh, 
cheesy, crunchy goodness uh, by the spoonful. And that was how we, um, you know, that was how we survived. But I, I, you know, I really, I, I had heard Pete about the chip shortage, but yes. I didn't think that it would affect me directly. Yeah, you never think it's going to happen to you, right? right. The chip shortage. <laughs> the chip we shortage. had the same situation. The, the queso and the guac that we got with the dinner was so copious. And of course, the kiddo is so enthusiastic about eating the chips that he doesn't need or want the queso or the guac, certainly not the queso with its jalapenos in it, that we ended up with too much uh, too much dip and not enough chip. Our, our, dith, our dip doth exceed our chip, right? And so on the grocery list for the following day, I put chips, right? Like we should get more chips so that we can eat this dip, right? And what world have we come to wherein the chip is the rare thing, right? I, people talk about it on the news all the time, and I really think that it's time for us to dive into this idea of a chip shortage, right? Um, and, and what it means. What is it about, right? What is it about for us? What is it about for – why do we even want chips anyway? What even are they, right? I think because what even what, are – yeah, that's a great question is what, yes. what even are chips? I mean there's – so every culture has invented a taco, you know, yes. more or less, like every every culture has a flatbread. Like throughout human history, the 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 common thing is like wrap some meat in a flatbread. You know, and that's uh, that's wonderful because it's delicious. You get the uh, you get all the deliciousness and the you know nutrition packed meat, like a lot of energy stored uh, stored in that uh, muscle tissue that you uh, that you can get. But it's messy. It makes your hands messy, and the the bread lets you do it, you know, adds some carbohydrate to the to the protein and the fat, like lets you hold it, um, is what I mean by do it. It lets you hold it without, uh, you know, getting grease and fat all over your hands. And so in a weird way kind of preserves more of it because it doesn't, you know, run down your hand and have to get like wiped off or, or something. It, uh, it makes it more sanitary in an, in an odd way. It's wonderful. Every, every, uh, culture has invented the taco. And if you know anything, if you've ever, if you've ever had a flatbread, you know, if you've ever like uh, eaten one, you or or had a package of of any kind from the grocery store, and here I mean like tortillas, flour tortillas, uh, pita. Uh, sorry. Oh, roti. Roti, uh, yeah. lavash. You yeah. know all the all the flatbreads. Uh, all the flatbreads. You know, um, there's a <laughs> there's a one thing that is uh, just inevitably true is that they go stale they get hard right and i i think this must be the um this must be the the uh what etiology of the chip you know this is the this must be the way that that the chip came to be um the chip came to be a a thing like because the 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 pliant flatbread oh oh pete you know, in the beginning, the trellis supports the wisteria, uh, but after a sufficient amount of time has passed, the wisteria supports the trellis. And that's, uh, you know, that's a, there, there is a kind of a profound, um, trans, uh, transmogrification that, uh, that came, that comes about when it goes stale because it's good for something different. You know, like a tortilla is great for wrapping around meat because it is pliant. Uh, a stale tortilla, you know, or if you fry it to make it even crispier than a stale tortilla, that's not good for wrapping around anything because it is not pliant. It is rigid, right? And, but it becomes good as an implement. And maybe this is why, maybe this is why your boy likes, uh, chips so much, right? Because he, he can, 
um, they, they, they remind him of tools, you know, I mean, toys and tools, I believe are the same when you're, when you're at a certain level of youth, um, uh, it, honestly, toys are uh, toys are the the tools of growing up, you know. But like, uh, it, they're like a shovel, you know. They're like um, they they are uh, like a kind of an affordance through which you can manipulate the world, you know, the material world in which you can kind of interact with it and feel some sense of of mastery or at least to kind of feel a part of it. And yet, also, they're delicious <laughs> when you when you bite into them. So they uh, they combine really the best of like sandbox playtime and uh lunchtime you know and those two things don't necessarily go together but they do in the in the form of the chip um yeah we we crave participation in our food right is one of the dimensions of this right and the chip gives us a thing to do in the now we're talking about the chip and the dip right as as a system yeah i mean and, it doesn't even have you know. to be a, it doesn't even have to be a dip there are there are um Ethiopian, for example, cuisine, mm. uh, cuisine, French word for French word for food to talk about Ethiopian food. Come on, <laughs> come on, come on. I would, I would call cuisine. myself, I would call myself pretentious, except there's no pretense. I actually am this insufferably pedantic. Um, the, uh, you know, you, you get rolls of, of beautiful kind of tart, spongy flatbread and you use it to kind of scoop up the food. So it's not, I mean, the, the dip in that case is not, is not a dip. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's the main course. It's not a dip, you yeah. know, but, but Pete, is the dip primary to the chip or is the chip primary to the dip? So I think that there is an interesting confluence of historical through lines that happens when we talk about chips, right? Mm. Uh, and I'm not just talking about Eric Estrada, you know, crossing, going up the one and coming down into Rio del Plata. And then he's got to take, I don't know where the chips drive <laughs> in California. You have to do that one. Um, but, uh, but I, by which I mean, of course, California Highway Patrol television show, which uh, is something they I think they made into a movie at some point. But that notwithstanding, I'm not here to talk about Eric Estrada. Uh, I'm merely to talk about his snacks. So the actual word chip, right, in English doesn't originally refer to flatbreads, right? It mm. originally refers to, well, first of all, you know, knocking a piece of stone off of something, right? Yeah. Chipping your tooth, right? And and it comes to mean these flatbreads in an interesting journey wherein it is initially used for uh pieces of fruit right so so as in if you were to to cut an apple like to hack a piece off of an apple and then you were to eat that that would be a chip mm. right and that that is a chip before a flatbread is a chip mm -hmm. and then from the apple of course you get to the potato uh would also the french would call that the pomme de terre but we're we're not gonna you know the apple of the of the earth right yeah uh, but we're but we're no not gonna, no french no, no French on this podcast. That into Ethiopian. It's, I don't. I don't. None of that stuff. But at any rate, we get to the point where the potato chip is invented, and in, and in, so fruit chips, 18th century. Potato chips, 19th century. Right. Uh, and of course, but that's the other thing is uh, we've got chip to refer to fries. There's the Anglo-American conundrum right here, where chips in American English are fries. In UK, never let me refer to this. A, a, the thing that you would have on the side of, and I can't say the thing you would have on the side of a cheeseburger because you could have either on the side of a cheeseburger, right? But are you talking about, you know, uh, I guess what longitudinally, you know, pris prisms, rectangular prisms that are maybe, or wedges that are maybe yay big, mm -hmm. right? That have been fried and are not crispy so much as they might have a crispy or a sort of crispy outside and a soft inside, those in, in U.S. English chips, in British English 
Oh, sorry. In U.S. English, fries. In British English, chips. Right. Right. Um, those predate the very thinly sliced, uh, deep fried potato slices, which in the U.S. we call chips. Right. Yep. And and in the U.K. they call crisps. Right. Right. And so I had to assume that the reason that we call them chips might have to do with fruit chips being something that people are talking about, right? And maybe it's a word that was already being used for something that gets, gets ported over and used for this other word. But I mean, one interesting thing, nachos don't come around until the 1940s, huh. but tortillas, of course, are from much earlier, right? So, so at what point do you get tortilla chips, right? Does the tortilla chip come from a, an idea of a potato that gets placed onto this corn flatbread because what, because it's descriptive, it's proximate. There's somebody who for some reason doesn't know about yeah. the corn flatbread that, that knows about the chip. Right. And, and I think that a sense of the chip carries through to the crispy flatbread uh-huh. that it didn't previously have. Right. Which is that you know, a chip of a fruit is not a meal, right? A, a sliced potato, a slice of a potato, which I believe the story back in the 1850s was there was a Vanderbilt at a hotel who was served uh, sliced potatoes. And he complained that the potatoes were sliced too thick. And begrudgingly, the chef who in the story, I think in real life, probably was Native American, um, sliced sliced the uh, potatoes super, super thin to to spite him and fried them until they were hard. And it turned out that they were delicious. They and that's the wonderful. story of, of where the potato chip or the crisp comes from. Have you, ever, have you ever made a potato chip with, you know, by either having a deep fryer or something or frying them in, in oil in a pan on the on the stove? I have I have made plantain chips, but uh-huh. I've never made a potato chip. It's uh, it's hard to get them uh, thin enough. You know, almost any like mandolin, you know, ceramic bladed mandolin that you that that you could have uh, in in a home kitchen would would like struggle to get the level of thinness that you really want for uh, that you really want for that. Now, I like the the. Yeah, the nutritional I I don't know. I'm not a nutritional (laughs) anthropologist, Pete, but. um, (laughs) That's okay. None of this is nutritious. (laughs) That's how. well, it's, I mean, it's extremely nutritious in that it is laden with energy. <laughs> you know, mm. it's not, it's not laden with a lot of non, uh, you know, a, a lot of other nutrients, <laughs> but you know, you do need, uh, carbohydrates and fat in order to power your, power your body. But I, you know, th- this is something that, that a, uh, that like a nutritional anthropologist could tell you more. Um, but, uh, that's that's um the uh the thing that we love to do is put fat on our on our carbohydrates right mm. we like we butter our bread you know or like we if you're italian you put olive oil on your bread if you you know we infuse um peanut we, butter yeah exactly um mm. you i once once you start thinking about it once you start really re- ringing the changes on that idea it's it's you know 80% of the things that we eat and the best way like the best way to do it, you know, is uh, deep frying <laughs> for <laughs> sure, for sure. The best way, because, um, you know, I don't know, you put sour cream on a potato, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You get the mind like I'm now just now, now my mouth is just watering. Sorry. The best way to do it is deep frying because you are not supplementing uh, the moisture in 
in the the cooked uh, carbohydrate thing, carbohydrate rich food like a potato or a piece of bread or something with fat. You're not supplementing it; you're replacing it with fat. And it's this like it's this weird kind of Frankenstein. Uh, it's this weird Frankenstein thing that happens. And that, that's why when you're, you know, deep frying something, if you have a deep fryer, you know, you're done. You're probably past done, but you know, you're definitely done when the bubbles stop coming up because there's no more water. There's no more water evaporating out of that, uh, out of that piece of food. And now you're, now you're like, I don't even know what you're doing. You're confiting it or something like that. You're not, you're not frying it anymore. So that, that like deep, deep frying is sort of the, the, the best way to do it. So like frying, frying a piece of bread. And now you can think of like 30 different applications of that, but like a whole, you know, you know, it's delicious. Like the tortilla doesn't have to be small. It doesn't have to be cut into triangles, like a, a whole tortilla with a, you know, with, I don't know, some, some stew or something on top of it, like is, or some, some uh, chopped up steak or what, you know, whatever, some barbacoa, the, the, that is also delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on, that uh on that like little paver on that little round paving stone of of fried deep fried uh if you can get it um tortilla so it's it's i think the thing that chip does you know in 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 particular is that it speaks to a lost wholeness do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? That like once the thing was whole and now now it's chipped. It's chipped into into little pieces. And like the, you know, etymologically, you sent me some things that were really interesting earlier today. And it was like originally like a piece of stone or wood, right? right. Like and we we talk about like I guess stone would be gravel these days, but like wood chips. You know, what what is the surface of the playground? Is it just asphalt? Is are they gonna break their arm? No. They have wood chips underneath mm-hmm. the jungle jam, you know? And that um it was a whole tree once, and now it's wood chips, you know? Um, it was a whole character in Fargo once, and now it's in the wood chipper. <laughs> but the, you know, the, uh, the... Hey, you know, chips are free. Dinner's extra. <laughs> the, um, the, uh, yeah, the, the, the kind of the lost wholeness. And that, like, it's, and it's interesting to think, like, in a, in a post-structuralist sense, what is the, is the lost wholeness a kind of a lost ideal? Is it like, it, does wholeness belong to the golden age? Um, it's, it's actually, it's a very postmodern food, right? Because it is the, the broken state, you know, is actually superior to the, you know, probably mythological, um, to the probably mythological whole state. Now, this is kind of perverse because in point of fact, you know, unless you're getting, uh, dirty chips or something like that, that are actually kettle cooked, they're cooked in kettles, Pete, kettles. They're, they're kettle cooked. Isn't a kettle just like a bucket? It's, (laughs) it's, it's a, it's cooked in a kettle, Pete. It's kettle cooked. Okay. Um, Okay. Kettle, kettle cooked. Um, They're they're, like uh, kettle corn. There, well, God, don't, don't don't even get me started. There's another crispy, another crispy snack here in our crispy snack cast. Um, a lot of these, uh, a lot of these chips these days, you know, these chips that you get these days, Pete. 
<laughs> these chips these days. Um, the, uh, a lot of them are like extruded, you know, like are, are made in industrial food processes, uh, where th- they make like, like you think a, you think a, a, a tortilla, a Dorito was once a tortilla. No, no, sir. No, sir. Dorito was once a slurry, you know, and the slurry is extruded into a, uh, into a mold. Probably. I'm guessing here. I have no actual experience of how a Dorito is made, but I'm sure YouTube could tell me. But it's a, you know, it's a slurry. Now, you know, the three biggest uh, ingredients in uh, the Doritos, the nacho cheese flavored Doritos are, you know, number one, corn. Uh, number two, vegetable oil. So more corn. And three, malodextrin, which is corn. <laughs> And only only four do you get to a non uh, corn ingredient, which is salt. It's a slurry of uh, it's a corn slurry that um, you know is shaped uh, by industrial process into a perfectly uniform, uh, perfectly uniform triangular triangular shape. But this slurry is engineered for uh, for a lot of reasons, and so there was there was no lost wholeness. You know, there was no whole potato from which the Dorito came. There was no whole uh, tortilla from which the the Dorito came. I guess there was a whole agricultural product uh, at some point. But if you know, you know about like really about like commodity corn, uh, it does not resemble. You know, I don't know. I, I at almost no point in its life and in, in its journey to your uh, in its journey to the to the like the weird indentation uh, on the cushion of your couch where you can, you know, rest your Doritos back. Like I, at no point did it resemble what you think of as as corn. That's why I like all my chips kettle cooked, Pete, kettle cooked, like I'm <laughs> kettle cooked. Matt, let me ask you a question. Oh, OK, Do you know where Jefferson Boulevard meets Arlington Avenue in southwest Los Angeles? Uh, yes, I do. In fact, know where that is. Do you know what happened there? What, what happened at Jefferson Boulevard and Arlington Avenue? Pete? Uh, that is in fact the form, the location of the, uh, tortilla factory that invented the tortilla chip and the I process. It. Yeah. The process by which it was invented. It was called the El Zarapa. I uh-huh. believe tortilla company. It was, it was, uh, invented by a woman by the name of Rebecca Webb Carranza, who, uh, had discovered that they had they were making tortillas right at this factory in Los Angeles, El Zarape, and they had leftover uh, tortillas that had been cut incorrectly or were the wrong shape. Right. And rather than throw them away, uh, she would cut them into triangles and fry them and then she would sell them in the factory floor in bags. And they ended up being hugely popular, and so she started selling them up and down uh, her neighborhood of Los Angeles, and then they became the main business of the factory. And and this was in you know the 1940s into 1950 that we see the tortilla become the tortilla chip, right? Uh, and and I, I think it's important and interesting from what you've said, and also when you look back at the origins of of the tortilla chip, which of course now has surpassed the potato chip in terms of overall tonnage of it that's eaten in the United States. I do think that back when we made episode 39, the potato chip was still in front, but now the tortilla chip is in front, which is interesting. Um, just in terms of so many things that have changed uh, in, of course, in light of our chip shortage and all uh-huh. that. But, but the main point being that uh, I think of this, we'll have a, we'll have a great British bake off episode at some point later this year, right. As a uh, great British bake off continues. Oh, no but doubt. sometimes when I watch these baking shows, I'll see a baked good that resembles something like a Twinkie or a ho-ho. Right. And and then I think, yeah, they did. The- they did. They had Twix on, on caramel week, you know? 
Yes, exactly. And I think, okay, is the Twix, the Twinkie, the Ho-Ho modeled after the baked, the, the actually legit fancy baked good? Or is the Twix, the Twinkie, the Ho-Ho an inspiration of the industrial process that was readily available to people who had access to these materials, right? Is it, is it more that the molecular gastronomy came first, right? The sort of, the sort of futuristic in the old Italian artistic and Polish artistic sense, right? The futurists, the idea that the machines will dictate how the food will be, right? And, and so you'll have these sort of space age foods like the Jetson pills that you eat, um, that are that are that are better. They're newer. They're more exciting. They're not as tied to the old dusty remnants of the past, right? They're not skeuomorphic, right? As we might say, they're not shaped like a floppy disk, mm-hmm. like the save icon that none of the kids know how to use, right? Because they've never seen a slot. Well, they don't even have to save their documents anymore. It's all auto saved for them, Ugh. right? So they don't have to even click on the disk anymore. But the point being that they wouldn't even know what it what to click. What is this button that I click on? What is on? The, what is the <laughs> what icon on this here? button? What's what even happening here? I don't even know what's going on. Where are the chips? Uh, the, the idea is that uh, that that chips, as we understand them, as you said, it's too thin to slice by hand unless you're very, very, very good, mm. right? And they're done at scale, which means they're not being done by hand, right? Uh, and so the idea of the flatbread that comes from the chip is a gradual sort of reconstruction of the thing that didn't precede it. As you're saying, right? Yeah. Um, although in the case of the of the origination of the tortilla chip, there was an industrial process that preceded it that had an end in the selling of tortillas. But this jumps out in the middle, right? This sort of skews off uh, in the middle of the process. It becomes this new thing. And uh, and I just I just think about how I don't think that that people are as into that these days. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. But when I think of the black and white cookies that were selling in front of the potato chips at the diner at the deli uh-huh. i'm thinking well those are also industrially manufactured but they're much closer to something that you would bake by hand in terms of how they look right in terms of how they uh in terms of how they how they how you would identify them with them how it feels especially relative to doritos right and of course they're also much more caloric there's much they're much bigger much sweeter right with much more uh you know chocolate right or, or imitation chocolate or whatever is on them added uh, which all seem like things that have uh, elbowed the chip, the old chip, right? Elbowed the old chip out of its home. Um, you you might say, oh, tortilla chips have displaced potato chips. That must mean that 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 there is a sort of continuum or a zero sum game between potato chips and tortilla chips. But no, I don't think you use them for the same reasons, right? I think I think potato chips have been fighting a long war against cookies, uh. right? And tortilla chips. They're just emblematic of the of the cuisine, the food that they're associated with, right? Um, that's and in, also, yeah. I guess, the use of salsa. I'm not I mean, sure. That's that's interesting. It is. I mean, it probably speaks to like there. There probably like is a half dozen PhD theses to be written about the, <laughs> you know. I, 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 what, Get it that, here first. Cite our even... podcast in your PhD thesis. You will be the first person. <laughs> I was, that was just a master's thesis. Thank you, by the way. We really appreciate it. When you said us that, that was great. <laughs> I think it was a paper and an MFA that we got we got yes! cited in, which we really We're moving appreciate. Up. We're moving. <laughs> Let's get involved in a heated lawsuit, and that way people can cite us for their juris doctorate. Uh, be, let's not do that. That sounds like a terrible idea. Um, 
So yeah, you know what? You're absolutely right. I can't believe I didn't do the the minimal bit of research that that you have done required to do this, especially since <laughs> my uh, my hometown can take some pride in the the yes creation. Do your minimum research. Cite the Overthinking It podcast <laughs> in your research paper. There are almost 700 episodes of us. You know, we talked about whatever your topic is at some point. <laughs> If it's something it's, that happened in the last twenty years, we talked about it. All right. What, what we what we really aspire Unless to it's is important. To... Then we didn't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's important. Um, it's you know it's it's been said about Homer. You know the the kind yep. of the Homeric tradition. It's been said about yep. the Bible no. that yep. that like. Um, uh, Anything you could want to know in life is contained in there. Like, like there are instructions for building a boat in, <laughs> right, in, yes. you know, that so for, for like a certain value of things you could care about in the world. And, you know, yes. these are things in, in what, what was it? Bronze Age Greece or, you know, that like <laughs> yeah. what, whatever you cared about, like there was in a way a guide and, and, you know, the narrative provided a good kind of mnemonic framework for, uh, preserving the knowledge and, and transmitting the knowledge for like how to, you know, how to do a religious sacrifice or how to cook a meal in a way that was like sanitary and like, you know, mm-hmm. um, even though like, uh, uh, even though these, these practices weren't like necessarily, um, you know, uh, uh, t- touted as being for sanitation, they, they were the practices because the people who did these practices had the sanitary food, right? Or, uh, I don't know, how to, how to mix wine or how to, you know, do, do, how to, uh, engage in certain kinds of social rituals and things like that. And Pete, I think we can say the same, um, for the Overthinking yes. a Podcast, you know. Although, I think one thing we have realized now is that if there is a true apocalypse, the first thing that you'll really notice is no longer around are Doritos. Because you can't make Doritos with post-apocalyptic technology, right? <laughs> like you, you won't even, you can't even try. Like you just, you won't be able. You try, you could try to make tortillas. It right? doesn't, yeah. Like deep, deep in the the Edenic resources of Immortan Joe's uh, Oasis. <laughs> like even in that, even given all of the things that he has in his, you know, in his little personal paradise there at the top of the big rock, his paradiso, if you will, <laughs> his paradiso. Uh, <laughs> You know, um, chips are free. They're free in the sense that they are free from being eaten because there are none. There are none there. <laughs> Witness me and my Doritos. <laughs> chips are free. Water yes. extra. Exactly. There you go. There Which you go. Which is, you know, in, in Southern California, uh, there there is a stupid law that you can't get water at a uh, – you can't get water at a restaurant unless you request it because we have – um, we have a uh, uh, a drought, and we sort of perpetually we have a uh, water management crisis. Um, and like, let's not talk about the five hundred desert golf courses in Palm Springs. Let's not talk about those. Let's make it harder to get a glass of water at a restaurant. <laughs> Matt, do you like chips? Do you like chips, Matt? I don't, you know, I don't eat a lot of snack foods. It is having done, having done for a while and we don't, we don't really do this anymore, but having done the paleo diet at, at some point, like almost anything you can, I mean, the so-called paleo diet, I should say that almost anything you can get at a store would not qualify, is disqualified, you know, from that, from that particular diet and actually doing it or, or any of the ones where you kind of cut out a lot of, where you cut out like added, added, uh, uh, sugars or like refined foods, um, 
industrial foods generally, right? That, that like, uh, a lot, a lot of those things you, you make you realize that the, what you might call the default food culture, you know, of the States is really, really stacked against, uh, really stacked against what is wholesome, <laughs> you know, trying yeah, to, yeah, yeah. trying to, to, uh, sustain your life in a, in a nourishing and, and wholesome way. And it's, you know, it's sort of like when I quit soda in 2006, um, the 2006, yes, because I celebrated 16, 15 years. Uh, recently, 15 years of sobriety in, uh, in, in this 2021. Um, the, it just chips, chips kind of never came back. Now I'll, I'll tell you my, my favorite chip was the Dorito. Um, I, I did not like potato chips, certainly didn't like ruffles, uh, as a kid, even then, you know, in, in the, like in my, peak years of liking artificial food of like actually craving a Big Mac, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't even need Big Mac. I did eat a quarter pounder. <laughs> I was not, I was not ready for, I was too small for the Big Mac. Uh, I was small Matt and there was no Big Mac, um, in my life, but that, uh, you know, that, that, um, when I would crave that artificial food, ruffles were too, too artificial for me. And I could not find a, a potato chip, um, a potato chip really that I liked. And I, I will say I never crave a potato chip though. I, I will enjoy one, uh, preferably barbecue flavored if they're, um, if they're around, but I do like, I do like tortilla chips. Uh, I do like, um, uh, I do like Doritos. I also like other, uh, corn slurry products like Fritos. Fritos are very good. The food scientists that make snack foods talk about, you know, um, a couple of things with respect to, to snacks. Um, one is called sessionability, uh, or I, I had heard it called snackability before, and it became my, my, um, the basis for the overthinking it article I wrote back in the day when we were a blog, uh, called Towards a Theory of Television Snackability, where, you know, I predicted the binge watching phenomenon. And, and yet, uh, and yet, you know, I don't know. And yet Jeff, Jeff Bezos is a billionaire and I, who published an article on a blog, in uh 2010 or so you know i'm 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 sitting here work working a job like a like an average chump um but the uh you know the so so sessionability is the ability of a food and it's something they try to engineer into foods um to kind of create habit forming automatic behavior such that you don't just like have a handful of them they become like an eating session uh, is that it's like this, this engineered overeating. Um, the other thing that they talk about is tooth pack. And that is when the, uh, when the process of mastication and saliva re-slurifies, uh, what formerly was a slurry and only temporarily was not, um, the, uh, the, uh, you know, as, as, as Hamlet said, a king could, uh, go a progress through the guts of a beggar. Um, the, uh, the, as, as your, your, uh, chewing and your spit reslorifies the, the Frito, what does that mush in your mouth feel? I'm sorry. It's a little, it's a little, uh, uh, I, I don't mean to put anyone off their, their meal. Um, but what does that feel like, uh, when you're eating it? And that, like, they call it tooth pack. That, uh, that quality, that particular quality. And it's another thing that's sort of engineered, 
uh, engineered into foods. And I, I did before I knew that word, it was a quality of the Frito, um, a quality of the Frito that I, uh, that I enjoyed. But now, yeah, now Pete, the only, the only chips that I get are chips that are ancillary to, um, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what to call it to, to, uh, it, to whatever the, the derivation of Mexican cuisine that, uh, uh, uh Rebecca Webb Carranza, uh, who pioneered the creation and manufacture of the tortilla chip, um, developed here in, here in my, my, uh, beloved hometown of Los Angeles. It's interesting, right? Because you would think that potato chips would be a really it's it's funny to say you would think potato chips would be a really popular thing to eat, right? And I guess they are, but at the same time, it feels like their time has passed. And of course, now that you've spent this time disgusting us, uh, that um, uh, it does make you kind of wonder whether there's a certain you know baby and bathwater situation, I guess. Or I guess what would be the old timey metaphor for like you worked so hard to optimize the the potato chip, right? That you have made something that nobody wants. Right. Um, but these things, I, guess, I mean, these things are mass produced and sold in, in huge quantities in, in grocery stores. Like everyone wants them. Do, doesn't I guess but so. like everyone, everyone has no taste though. That's a, you know, that's one you of know, the, they the, moved real far back in that deli, man. You know, you look at the front of that deli and there's like, there's all sorts of little Italian cookies. And I, this isn't a particularly fancy place. Yeah. But don't right? you think, so, don't you think that's because those are higher margin items? I mean, I suppose, right. I suppose, although really higher margin than potato chips. Are potato chips really that d- expensive to oh, produce? Fair enough. I guess higher ticket items. I guess I should say, yeah, because a, a potato chip that you sell for a dollar, you know, a bag that you sell for for ninety nine cents that cost you know two pennies to produce is certainly higher margin than your your uh, Italian cookie, even though you sell the Italian cookies for for three ninety nine because Italian cookie costs more. So okay, fair, it might be higher point. margin for the the store. Because maybe the MSRP of a bag of Lay's is closer to its wholesale price than a you know a sort of you know a little roll cookie or whatever it is right. Um, maybe you have a little bit more uh, as a store when you resell it in terms of the added value that you can get out of that situation. Um, maybe you- maybe the competitiveness the the maybe the toothy the toothiness is truly the competitiveness among the different chips as they drive each other to into a sort of slurry of uh, war of all against all. I don't yeah I mean. Um, like it would be funny if the you know it'd be funny if the chips you know come to life at night and are are you know offensive ethnic stereotypes like battling it out <laughs> like you know night night didn't at the- Seth Rogen make that movie already <laughs> right oh I guess yeah no I thought that was I thought that was offensive sexist stereotypes oh there you go okay fair enough fair enough <laughs> the movie was called Sausage Party as I recall <laughs> I, yeah anyway it just okay so so. One of the things that jumps out to me, of course, do you, is, wait, do you do you like chips? No. Oh, <laughs> well, that's part of what baffles me. There's a there's a shop on my street that is the only shop on my street. It's at the end of my street, and so it's the place where I would go to get a sandwich, right, or a coffee. Uh, we call it the town market. It's delightful. Mm. Uh, that's what they call themselves as well, right? And there's a bunch of streets that go off of it. So please don't come to my house. Um, but, uh, go to, go to one of the other places. They're more interesting, but they serve potato chips with their food, right? With their sandwiches as a default side, which is not that common, right? Nowadays, you would expect the default side for a sandwich. If you get a default side to be a fries, right? You might expect the phoned in side of a slaw. That's going to be kind of gross and not 
really worth eating, right? Uh, and with a lot of sort of deli sandwiches. A deli sandwich isn't guaranteed to come with the side at all, right? You, you want, That's why they have bags of chips, right? Is because you get the chips to go with the sandwich. Uh, and I never would get, I mean, some. I guess if it's free, right, you get the bag of chips. If it's like a deal to get a drink, then you get a bag of chips. Yeah. The chips from this market are really great. And I have to think that they are made by slicing potatoes mm. and deep frying them, right, with salt. Yeah. Uh, and maybe some other seasonings. They have some spice to them, which is also good. Um, but an actual bag of potato chips, I, I I never really eat those. I mean, I sort of like ruffles in the abstract. Like if they're at a party, I'll eat them. But in retrospect, they just burn your mouth with salt, right? It's just so much salt uh, that I can't really say that the experience of eating them is particularly pleasant. And And it's so interesting that – Something like a potato, which is, you know, really, really high on the satiety list, right? That That's perhaps the paradox of the potato chip more than anything, right? Which is that potatoes are among the most satisfying foods that you can eat, right? Like you can get by on potatoes just, just sort of sensorily in terms of not feeling hungry in a way that you can't really get by on a lot of other foods, right? Sure. Um, and I say this as somebody who's mostly Irish, uh, but, you know, not entirely. And yet – Right. They make potato chips that are supposed to make you hungry. Right. Um, and or maybe other sorts of chips that aren't quite potato chips that 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 sort of piggyback off of the idea of the potato chip by being you know sold in these bags. Right. Although I suppose the Lay's potato chip only really predates the tortilla chip by about 10 years. Uh, so the idea of like mass produced industrial potato chips and mass produced industrial Tortilla chips kind of start at like, I guess 10 years is a long time. But anyway, the point is that if I had the option of getting chips or a cookie with a sandwich, 99 times out of 100, I would get the cookie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because the 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 sandwich, if it's a properly made sandwich, should not lack for some crunchy element, right? Okay. It doesn't lack for uh, carbohydrates. It's a sandwich right. after all. And it, it doesn't lack for a kind of savory taste, you know? Right. Uh, it shouldn't, it shouldn't lack for, shouldn't lack for seasoning. So like, what does the chip bring to the table? Whereas a cookie brings a, a whole other, like, you know, a cookie is, is a little sweet. It could have like some nuts or something like that in it. So there's like some other elements, some foods that are not sandwich foods. Uh, like the, a, a cookie brings something, something different to the party. You know, right. that's a, a whole different, it's a whole different thing. So yeah, no, a hundred, hundred percent. Oh, it's Subway. The, the, the power move is the, is the cookie. Like, uh, oh, yeah. uh chips, chips are for chumps. <laughs> well, but it's interesting because if you think about, it's not hard to imagine a sandwich that could benefit from having chips. All you kind of have to do is roll back the clock, right? A, a sandwich on, you know, regular old bread, right? Like sliced bread from the store, from the supermarket, right? Factory mass produced sliced bread that has, you know, lunch meat, a little bit of cheese, you know, some mayo or some mustard on it, right? Mm. Um, it, it doesn't really have anything that's in the chips. And it also might not be filling enough for an adult, right? Just eating this one sandwich if it's not that big, right? Especially if it's mostly bread. So you might supplement Pete, where does it with the a bag where of does chips. The, where does the crunch come from, Pete? Is there a, is there a lightly dressed a cabbage slaw in an aioli? <laughs> Is there well, a, that's the thing, is right? There is there a, like, uh, a carefully laid endive, uh, like, uh, you know, a, a, a brick wall of, of endive laid? There are some ramps in it, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's when you know the guy's grocery game contestant is getting serious, is when they bust out the endives, the ramps. The fennel is up there, too. But yes, like, yeah, ideally you would have lettuce on the sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Which would be crunchy. Maybe a little bit of bacon if it's a club sandwich, right? Mm. Um, and that would be a little bit crunchy, right? But but at the same time, I remember, 
a period in my life where I didn't really have a lot of money, where I wasn't putting fresh lettuce on my sandwiches, right? I mean, I remember a period in my life where I was, I was like, man, can I make this dozen eggs last for three or four days, right? Like in terms of if I eat all my eels for, meals from just this $3 worth of eggs, because that's all I have left, right? Like uh, this, this, there are times in my life where this was the reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and those are not times when the sandwich that you have has all the characteristics you would also want from a bag of potato chips. But at the same time, things are not that way, right? For a lot of people. I would say there's a huge difference in terms of, you know, even now, even with the crisis of COVID, the way we are now, when we recorded that last podcast was right in the echo of the late 2000s commodity crisis. Remember when that we didn't talk about it because it was important, Uh, but it was (laughs) (laughs) it was they were talking about how, like, all the corn was being diverted to making ethanol. And then there was a bunch of speculation in the markets to to kind of like, oh, we should stop making all this excess agricultural product and we should drive the prices of it up because all the other stuff's going down uh, after the financial crisis. And then there were food riots all over the world. Right. It was a huge catastrophe. Um, I would say that your sandwich is probably better off now than it was then. And certainly if you were to jump back another 11 years, well, maybe not better off, but bigger. Right. And more complex. Right. You're more likely to have a bigger, more complex sandwich than you would, you know, 25 years ago, Um, which is not to say that the techniques have gotten any better. I just feel like there is an era in which lunch was not big and which having extra with your lunch. Right. Because really, it's the chips that are extra, Matt. That's the thing. Right. That's the joke. Right. It's that you buy the dinner and you get the chips extra. You don't go to the restaurant to get the free chips, except you do. Um, But but isn't that sort of what they're there for? Right. Um, I just I'm just interested in the idea of of a food that has co-opted the identity of another food that does not serve the purpose of either the food that it co-opted or it's what's ostensible purpose would be based on what it's called. Right. Or what it's made of. Right. Like a small side snack of potatoes Mm -hmm. is not there to make you less hungry. Right. (laughs) Which is the main reason that you would eat just a bunch of potatoes. No, it's really there. It's it's there to make you buy soda. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And yet at the same time, also, it's it's sort of the the chip notion has come into the flatbread space. And that's not what you make, you know, a non for is to like stuff it into a bag and eat. I mean, I actually have no idea. Maybe they do do that. Right. Maybe it's like, huh, I just finished my delicious lunch. Time for me to bust out, you know, my my flatbread. I would imagine that the flatbread is the lunch. A lot of the time, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that's the point, right? Is you can eat it with your hands. So so it's interesting all the different ways in which the chips really are 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 kind of stuck, right? They're like Barkley and Next Generation, right? They're just they're out of their <laughs> they're just out of sync. They're out of they're in some sort of quantum subspace flux mm. with everything else that's happening, right? Um, uh, that's why there's a chip shortage, Matt. That's that is yeah, that's why there's a, a chip shortage. They're all stuck <laughs> in a they're all stuck in a kind of like in between sort of dimension. They're in a semiotic dimension of their own design. It right? is it is a I, what I said, I stand by it. It is a postmodern food, or at least a post structuralist food. Um, mm-hmm. because the, the, it loses its structure quickly when you, when you chew on it. <laughs> hey, Pete, before we go really quickly, let's, let's do fries just very, very oh, quickly. Sure. Are you a, yum, uh, yum, yum, thin, yum. Thin, thin fry or thick fry? Oh man. Oh man. I mean, ceteris paribus thick fry, uh-huh. but man, if I've only had thick fries for a while, thin fries are real good, but okay. I, I'm, I'm more, th- I like potatoes. I would have a thick fry. Over yeah. Okay. Got it. Uh, uh, skin on fries or completely peeled fries. 
you know, I got I love potato skin. I got to say that, like, I don't have it all that often. The, the fries that have that little bit of skin on the end. That's that's yeah. choice. I like. Oh that. yeah, fry with the skin on the end. Yeah, I, t- yeah. I totally agreed. Um, level of crispiness versus level of of floppiness. Variable. Uh. I would like each serving of fries to have some crispy fries, some less crispy fries, uh-huh. and especially if you're at a diner, some very undercooked fries that are very hot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's because, a that's a baked potato. That's not a fry. Exactly, not a, it's know. a surprise. It's like three. It's like multiple meals. I mean, my <laughs> wife really loves the crispy fries. So, uh-huh. some, but she also doesn't like sharing food. So, there's something pleasing about seeing that there were crispy fries there. But, uh, but I tend not to exchange them with her. Uh, but yes, I, I I'm the kind of person who would not, if I were to set out to make fries, which I do occasionally, uh, I would not. On purpose, I would not cut them all the same size because I want them to be a variable texture. Uh, what about you? Hmm. What, I mean, are you going to answer these questions for yourself? Oh, sure. You- I mean, uh, yeah, I can. I uh, thin fries versus thick fries depends on the food that they're uh-huh. go- that they're going with. Um, the uh, you know hamburger, uh, uh, thin fries, thin fries all okay. day. But a more like a, a more substantial meal, like if you have something like I don't know a chicken leg or something like that, that like <laughs> you got medieval times, yeah, you know, exactly. get that turkey leg and some fries. Yeah, exactly. Then uh, that's a that's a a, a thick fry, yeah. uh, thick fry time. Uh, prefer the peeled to the. Oh, we didn't even get into the question of wedges. Uh, oh. But you know, I I uh, I will say I feel like wedges are a different food, um, okay. Than a, than a fry, and I think a good potato wedge should have its skin on and be like seasoned with like Lowry's, like liberally seasoned with like Lowry seasoning salt, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, yeah, with a with a um, I want a I want a peeled thin fry on uh, with with a burger, and uh, I want it to be. Um, I, I want it to to have a crispy, uh, sort of like an M M&M. and M. I want the crispy shell to give way to like an oozy uh, inner potato texture, you know. Mm. So I, I guess M and Ms aren't aren't oozy, but I want like a um, oh yeah, what, like a gusher, yeah, <laughs> a gusher, exactly, <laughs> like a, like a uh, yeah. I want it to be a, I want it to be a gusher, a potato, a potato gusher. Watch out, son! It's a potato gusher. I want uh, uh yeah, I want I want that, and that's there are things that you can do, you know, when you buy a uh, when you buy a deep fryer, uh, which I recommend everyone do. Um, that, uh, that, the paleo guy, he's super healthy and hasn't been sold in 16 years. It's like, everyone go out right now. Everyone a get a deep fryer. If you and have you, small children, especially because the hot oil really teaches them responsibility. The, no, get a deep fryer. They make them now with like remove with a uh, magnetic pull away cables like that. You can do a lot to, uh, I mean, you can't do everything, but you can do a lot to increase the safety of your, uh, of your deep fryer. For example, there should be like, an insulated there should be an air gap between the outside of the deep fryer and the frying chamber you should be able to actually touch the appliance on the on the the countertop without you know br- like sending yourself to the hospital with uh with incredible burns um the no what you do is you uh, you fry twice. You fry once at a lower temperature to cook the fries and they come out, um, you know, kind of pale and floppy. Uh, and then you fry a second time at a higher temperature to crisp them up. Um, mm. 
and you can do this like if you have guests coming over uh, or something you can do the first step um, even you know a couple hours before so you can have you can hold the fries uh, that are kind of floppy and then you know crisp them up uh, right at the 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 very last minute and that's um, now that's that's one when you slice them on your mandolin you want that you know you need one that has the uh, you need one that has the wolverine claws that come up in addition to the ceramic blade that that goes across so this is really if you have children just buy the just buy the fries at the burger shop (laughs) just buy the fries at the uh uh, just buy the fries at the burger shop now our our beloved franchise west coast franchise in and out not the greatest fries in the world gonna say i i feel like they have solved because they should have put them in and then take them out and then put them in again well yeah i mean they should they're they are uh on the whole undercooked they come out too, too floppy. And so people ask, uh, and floppy is not, I mean, I guess like soft would be a desirable texture, maybe, but like floppy is not, is not desirable in almost anything except, except the noble basset hound. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the, th- so the move, the off menu move is you ask for fries well done. Um, mm. and you can hear them call back, uh, you know, to the, whoever on the line is frying the fries that there's an order of fries well done coming for a discerning connoisseur. Uh, of in and out fries such as such as yourself uh, do you have do you have a favorite uh i mean with uh, with the the obvious you know caveat that that when mcdonald's fries were f- fried in tallow uh they were the best fry but do you have a uh, do you have a favorite uh a fry um like a fast food fry fast, fast food fry five guys <sighs> five guys maybe that's a that's oh, a, that's a st- even- strong choice yeah i guess so it's been a little while i mean i feel like i like a pub fry you know, like the fries that I like, to, I tend to eat more fries in bars than I do in, in fast food restaurants. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's hard to say. I'm trying to remember. You know why? Because I would go to Chipotle and then I would get the chips. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening, Pete. Thank you for podcasting. This has been the Overthinking It podcast. Till next week, visit us on the Overthinking It website at overthinkingit.com, which is where we have Overthinking It uh, for the Overthinking It. It's where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve. deserve. You know, I'm loopy because I'm hungry. I didn't eat enough chips. Which kind of chips are you going to eat? I'm going to eat a crudite. I was going to say, may I suggest computer chips? <laughs> 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 <laughs>